Hey everybody, it's Andy. If you're enjoying what we do on Potheads and Read, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite place to listen to our podcast. Five stars will go a long way. Thanks, y'all. Welcome to Tipsy Hothead. I feel like that was the most in sync all of us were without yeah, out being of key. in tune or in harmony. Um, welcome everybody to our second episode of Tipsy Potheads. Um, is it the second? No, this is no it's not the second <laughs> See, this is how much we have drank tonight. We don't even know what episode like we're the on. Fourth, I, completely think, <laughs> I think Josie's confused because our first Tipsy Pothead episode just, was just released. So, guys, this is our last episode <laughs> for the Sorcerer's Stone. Yay. We read chapters 14 through 17 for this episode, which puts us at the end of the book. <laughs> what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Sheila, you go first. We're drinking Unicorn's Blood. I, I think we all have, like, some version of it or the same version. There's two versions, actually, this week. So my version was, um, well, it was supposed to be vodka. <laughs> and, well, it was supposed to be, like, a flavored vodka, and I didn't have a flavored vodka, and I didn't want to go buy any vodka. If I remember correctly, it was a shimmery vodka. Shimmery. So I did go buy this shimmery edible glitter. Mmm. And, um... But mine was raspberry puree, and then I did peach schnapps instead of the... Because it was supposed to be a peach vodka. And I was like, well, I have peach schnapps, so... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same, right? So we're just going to, like, go loosely based off the recipes here. Not that you can tell, but it is shimmery. It, it's very red because of the, the, the raspberry puree, but um, it's pre- it's pretty good. Josie and I were not dedicated enough to create a raspberry puree. I thought about or doing buying shimmery liquor. <laughs> I was not about to. If no, I no, no, no. Was, I bought, I bought the edible <laughs> glitter. Well, you were supposed to, to get the dust, but then you were also supposed to get like a shimmery liqueur. It was and, like and shimmery was, liqueur, luster yeah. dust. Guys, we're gonna post the full <laughs> recipe. I'm sure it's a gorgeous drink. Not when um, we make it, so... I'll be honest, mine looks really pretty in the picture that the person posted on her their Facebook page, or not Facebook page, on their website, their blog or whatever. Mine did not turn out like that at all. I was like, that did you not work. You didn't shimmery vodka. I don't think it has anything to do with the liquor. So, Andy and I, Woo! our version has tequila. Tequila. And uh, St. Germain, which is elderflower liqueur. Which is my first time with St. Germain. Oh, my gosh. I've never, I don't think I've ever had St. Germain specifically, but I've definitely had elderflower flavors and desserts and drinks and other stuff. This is so good. Oh, and it also had lemon juice. I think Josie started to say that, but then I cut her off because I was super excited about the St. Germain. It was. Well, that's cool. So, so that's what we had. We had unicorn's blood. And mine's shimmery, and theirs is not. And hers is also red, and ours is not. And, <laughs> um, but it tastes good, so that's it. I'm not usually a huge fan of tequila, either. Mm. Like, I'm not I'm a- not to the point where I'm just like, ugh, tequila. I know, I'm like 87. But for some reason with this, I'm like, oh, tequila. Is it... One tequila, two tequila, three tequila, tequila, four <laughs> tequila. I can't, I can't talk. No. 
Is that what happened? Is that why we three tequila? It's more like one margarita, sugar in the bloodstream, wake up with a hangover. Oh. Oh, I am still like, what? We're 20 drinking tequila. I'll take five more shots. I think I do it better on shots than I actually do on margaritas. Yeah. I mean, this is like a tequila martini, basically. It's really delicious. That's good. I might have to go try to find this elderberry stuff. I'm definitely drinking it in a 16-ounce tumbler and made myself probably about four of those martinis in one drink. But otherwise, we're right there with it. Yep, I'm definitely in a pint class. I'm working on my breakfast. I am feeling good. Um, Sheila, do you want to give us a quick plot line of these four chapters? Sure. So these are the last four chapters of the Sorcerer's Stone. And in it, Harry Potter finds out that Hagrid has a dragon's egg that uh, that he got from a mysterious man in Hogsmeade. And the kids are helping him. Malfoy finds out. Ron gets bit by Norbert and gets, like, some, like, dragon poison in him or something like that. And then they make, they've made plans with Charlie. Charlie's friends are coming to save Norbert from Hagrid, which, (laughs) it's not horrible, but he's saving, they're they're saving the dragon, put him with his his kind. And then um, they get caught. They all get caught. Harry and Hermione and Neville make Gryffindor lose 150 points. Everybody's pissed off at them. So many points. So many points. And then they have they get detention, and detention is in the Forbidden Forest. And in the Forbidden Forest, they meet the centaurs, and they come across a dead unicorn. And that's when Harry like really kind of meets the the first. Um, or not the first, meets Voldemort and Quirrell, but he doesn't know that's them. And then um, I just gave it away. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing great, sweetie. Keep it up. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) And then... um, 21 years later, spoilers. 21 years later, uh, the, the centaurs, or a centaur saves Harry from weird creepy creature that was drinking unicorn blood and then the kids figure out that Hagrid got the dragon from a bad person who was trying to get the stone and then they tried it was somebody different the whole time they did they thought it was Snape it's always Snape and but Snape does not make it like easy to not think it's not him and then um they decide to go save the stone themselves and they do. And then Harry comes face to face with Voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head. And he smells, (laughs) he smells really bad and he, he kills Quirrell and Voldemort, Voldy like runs away somewhere and Harry gets put in the hospital and then they, um, they go to the 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 big dinner at the end. <laughs> I just, sorry. Nailing it. And Dumbledore gave them a hundred like eighty points. It was a hundred and seventy. Seventy. hundred and seventy uh-huh. points. And so they beat Slytherin for the house cup and it made everybody happy except for and the, the crowd went wild. <laughs> And then school got out, and they went home, and Ron's like, come visit me. The end. <laughs> I think my favorite part of your not-so-quick plotline was when you were like, they found out about the stone, and then they did it themselves. <laughs> Hey. Um, oh, and then Rock really... said, "Come visit me." <laughs> and the end. <laughs> At the end, the entire series um, is over. Harry Potter ruled. It is <laughs> so 
Okay, Andy, the first timer. What? What were your impressions now that you finished the first book? What were your first impressions of these first four of chapters all, in the book? Can we hopefully insert fake applause here? I finished a book. Yay! We don't need to insert fake applause. Oh, here. <laughs> I wish y'all could see Josie clapping. It looks like she is straining so hard. It's, it's really, really hard, hard to clap for you. <laughs> um, I didn't have a problem with it. This was like my 25th book this year. so. Well, I mean, it's like my fifth. Hey. But, you're young. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm way proud of you. It's, it's 500 times more than any year previous. <laughs> but, um... No, I would say that I, it was just kind of interesting because, like, kind of watching it unfold again. Have I seen this movie? I know people who were listening to this were like, if you ask this one more time, I know. I truthfully don't know, and I won't know until later this weekend when we actually watch it. And I'm like, okay, so the story with the whole dragon thing, that's kind of cool. Of course, Malfoy. I swear to you, like, I didn't like Malfoy before, but I was like, maybe he's misunderstood. Reading this book, I'm like, he's not misunderstood. He's an asshole. So <laughs> he's, a, he's a punk kid. He is. Yeah. So, like, that's going forward. And then, so it was just kind of fun to watch all of that. Again, I just enjoy McGonagall is one of my favorite characters. Just because I love Maggie Smith from the movie. And so, like, anytime McGonagall's more in the book, I'm like, Maggie Smith is here. And <laughs> so I'm just kind of en enjoying that. Yeah. But um, it's just kind of interesting. I love the different series and all the different things they had to go through to get the Sorcerer's Stone. Like, the fact that Dumbledore, like, yeah. set him up to be the one to actually yeah. understand how to get it. It's not even that, though. It's, you see, it's not just, like, two professors setting forward a trap. You see all of the professors. Yeah. Because you see not only Fluffy. Yep. Mm -hmm. You see the charms. You see the potion. You see the Professor Sprout. You see. That big chest. They, the, well, yeah, mm -hmm. and that was McGonagall. So you see something from Hagrid, McGonagall, Flickwit, Sprout. This is not in the right order, so don't come at me, people. Um, Snape and Quirrell. Like you, you see, have you, and Dumbledore. So yeah. you have eight things that they have to go through. Yeah. Well, and there was also the brooms. Like I know that's just riding a broom and everybody. But do you know what I mean? Like. Well, no, that was Flickwit because he tried. Well, I, well I know that, but like, does I mean? I, I wonder, do all wizards fly well? No. I mean, Hermione. Sorry, I could, answered that very distinctly. Hermione couldn't even call the broom, remember? Right. So maybe that was a little Madame Hooch. Just a little nod always, to her. I always felt like Hooch and Flitwick always worked on that room together. Mm hmm. I just love the chess set and how it was literally like. <laughs> Ron was like, the only way for you to go forward and to save the day is for me to sacrifice. Which the only way that that was going to happen was someone basically courageous and pure of heart, a.k.a. Gryffindor. But, like, that was the Don't only way. Don't your eyes. We are awesome. <laughs> Cheers to Gryffindors. This, this is my secondary house. Um, <laughs> but, like... Like, that was that. And then it was also, like, Hermione coming in with, like, oh, this isn't a spill. This is just fucking logic. Yeah. And she was, like, I got this. And both of, like, Harry was, like, what do you mean? And she's, like, I got No, it. but it's not even that. It's literally the whole last four chapters. Yeah. These, like, kids just get it. Yeah. Like, the movies are like, look at what these 11-year-olds did. But the books, like, Harry, when he's talking, we're, like, jumping way forward. But, like, when Harry is talking to Dumbledore at the very end, he's like, Voldemort, oh, I guess I shouldn't say it. And he was like, no, say his name. And he was like, 
Like, because Harry was never taught not to say his name. So he doesn't know any better. But he even has that moment where, like, he says the name to Hagrid. And he's like, no, I'm saying this name. I'm not afraid. But then it's like, Ron portrayed, like, I know we haven't watched the movie yet. But, like, the way Ron is portrayed, and this is, like, any type, I feel like any time you get into like any type of harry potter fandom they always talk about how ron is portrayed in the movies and how he's portrayed in the books Mm -hmm. and he's always so dim-witted in the movies yeah and it's like he it's not just like like the whole part when they fell into the devil's snare (laughs) like they all he was like Like, they all had that moment, but he was just, like, like, he totally had that moment where he made fun of Hermione. Are you a witch or not? Yeah, he was like, (laughs) are you a witch or not? Like, and then he was like, well, it's a good thing we all caught, like, kept our heads on us. And he's just like, I don't have any wood. And he was like, are you serious? And it's like, he's He's like, like, conjure the fire. Right. But he's he's so much more clever. And the three of them in the book, work so close together. together. They do. It's, it's not just, like, it's not just Hermione pay, it's paying attention in her, in her in herbology. That's a hard word right now. I mean, it was like Ron <laughs> being like, no, you are a witch. Think of something you else. But going off of that, like, are you a witch or not? Like, I feel like, because, like, sometimes, like, we'll be standing there talking with somebody about something, and then, like, ten minutes later, we're like, oh, I have this. I have my phone. I could have Googled it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like questioning, like, what is this? What is that? Oh, yeah, what is this? And then you're like, oh, I have it at the tip of my fingers. Like, like that, I just kind of laughed at that because, Mm -hmm. um, like, that's, like, that's kind of like what we do with our phones sometimes but yeah yeah, I agree the kids each one of them it wasn't so it wasn't just Hermione she you know she said the you know she she started saying the thing and then he's like light a fire like Harry said light a fire and then Ron's like are you a witch or not so like all three of them got through that yeah well because she immediately went back to her muggle self where she's like I don't have any wood and he was like are you a witch or not? He's hey, like, you can you know conjure this? a fiver. You caught Snape on fire, little girl. Right. But it's like <laughs> the three of them work together so much in the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when Harry puts together, so like going back to like chapter 14, that starts the series when they're talking about the dragon it's like the three of them are like, how did he get this? And the three of them are piecing it all together. Like, what can we do to help him? And it's the three, like, it's not Ron and Harry who are like my brother. Like, you know, it's like the Hermione is a part of all of that. Like all of them are together in it. And, um, you know, it's even like Harry piecing it together. And he's just like, something just clicks and he's like isn't it strange that all of a sudden the stranger just gives him this dragon and then all of a sudden like all of this just pieces together it all falls into place yeah and then i like i always always get really sad that they always leave neville out of the for the forbidden forest scene in the movie it's in the movie because i'm like it is like it's just one of those things where it's like I know this goes way down the line sorry for anybody who's reading this for the first time with Andy but it's like it just is one of those things where it just shows like the importance of his character how much everything like plays into like Neville being there and being a part of all of it and that's what I'm learning it's like he's been there from the beginning. Now, granted, in the movies, he was there from the beginning, but he just wasn't, like, a prominent character. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, he wasn't there for yeah, a lot of the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely... Like, he was a tertiary character, but at the same time, like, he was, like, guys... Like, he would show up at pivotal moments to remind them of who they were. Right. Yeah. You know what always made me mad about like kind of the situation with Neville especially like at the end when um 
Dumbledore is giving out all the points. Like he only got he's 10. like he only gets he only got ten for like standing up to his friends. That's fucking hard sometimes. Uh huh. Can you imagine standing up to the three of them? I mean, especially, like, it's not just, okay, if you really think about that, it's not just standing up to your friends. He is standing up to his friends who taught him how to stand up to people. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was Ron and Harry and Hermione who were like, well, especially Ron and Harry, like, the guys, like, they were the ones who were like... Don't let Malfoy talk to you that way. Don't like yeah. the, don't let these other people talk to you this way. And, and it, like, because if you remember in the last set of chapters, I believe it was the Gryffindor match in right. Quidditch. They got in the fight. Where right they before, got yeah. into the fight, and it was Ron being like, "No, Neville, stick up for yourself." And yeah. so he, they like, he's literally standing up to the people who taught him to stand up for himself. Yeah, and that's so hard, so hard. And like, so that. In the book and the movie, it's always made me irritated. Like, he should always have more points. But, but I know. I've always felt that from the beginning. But at the exact same time, I just love how excited he is at winning 10 points. And where there's even that little line where it's like, Neville has never even received one point for Gryffindor in the oh, entire school year. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... I like the whole thing of just like why like the whole setup of like why Dumbledore like put Harry through all of this stuff like even Harry sometimes in the movies is portrayed as kind of like dim-witted like just stroke of luck like right. happy-go-lucky like oh I just I guess I just kind of figured this out and it's, like, in the book, it's really laid out that, like, Dumbledore, like, purposely put stuff out there. Like, even when he's asking him a million of questions at the end of the, at the end of the last chapter, he's, like, you know, he directly asks him about the cloak. And I kind of forgot that Dumbledore was, like, yeah, your father left it to me. I thought you would want it. Yeah. Like in my head, it's always been this thing where it's like he doesn't, um, he doesn't really admit to it, even though I knew Dumbledore gave it to him. Like I kind of forgot how directly he gave it to them. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, like I kind of feel like we're skipping over a couple chapters, but. I always love after they go through all the different, like, um, tasks and, like, uh, like, uh, what am I thinking? I have no idea. When they go through all the different tasks that the teachers put out, like, all the different stuff to, like, stop them. Um, there's a specific word I'm thinking. I cannot think of it right now. Um. Not, no, because not all of it's charms. Um, But anyway, all the different tasks that they have to do from all the professors. Like, I always love it when he goes through that fire. And I love when he's like, no, Hermione. Like, I love that Harry and Hermione have that moment in the room with all the potions. Where he's like, you're a great witch. And she's like, what cleverness. And they still have that moment. Yeah. But it's like... I, there's something that I love that it's literally because like in the movie it's overrun when they have that moment and there's something that I love when it's just the two of them trust in, in that room yeah and it's like you can just see in like a short year how much they've just like really learned learned and grown into each other's family but there's like something that I just love about that moment and then they both just kind of like walk into the fire and even like after I mean I've literally probably read this book a dozen times at least the first one or one and there's still this moment that I get when you flip to that last chapter and Harry is so surprised to see Quirrell yeah and he's just like, what? You? And he's just like, yeah, it's me. Da, da, da. And then I kind of forgot. Like, I knew 
that's like I've always remembered that Snape was there to protect him through the year. But I honestly forgot the backstory about James saving Snape's life and then like Dumbledore even saying like Yeah. Isn't it funny? And he's like, I feel like now he can just hate your father in peace. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, man, like, I can just feel that. Right. I can just feel that feeling where you're like, I don't owe anything to this person anymore. I can just love, hate, respect, disrespect Uh or whatever this person in my own peace where I don't have to explain it to anybody yeah. But even then, like, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I hate how Snape treats him the, through this entire book. But then at the exact same time, it's like this entire time, like, you literally, it's like such an unbiased, not unbiased, it's a very biased point of view of this character mm-hmm. where you always are like, Snape sucks. He's the worst. He's a jerk. Like, F Snape, like, whatever, and then you're just, like, you get this, like, you get that, because Harry, Ron, and Hermione are that way, and you see how he treats Neville, and, like, you're, like, this is an adult treating children like shit, and you're, like, dude, fuck this guy, like, why, like, who even, like, cares about this, but then you see that, and then you're just, like, at the same time, as an adult, I'm, like, there's people that are from my teens or, like, my early 20s that I'm like, dude, fuck that guy. I never want to see that person again. Same. But, but if I saw their children, I wouldn't be rude to their children. Right. You're not mean to the kids. But I wouldn't want to be like, hey, let's, like, be BFFs. I want to, like, sit and, like help you through stuff you know yeah so it's just like really interesting to kind of like see it all from that perspective I feel like I've been talking a lot you guys talk so um I felt like maybe I've I've realized it the past like in the past but I always forget like how much foreshadowing there is in this first book especially these last chapters but like during the the forbidden forest chapter like um Flitch was like it's like I bet you'll think twice about breaking school rules again and what do they always do they always break the school rules I know one of my I mean it's not in this book but one of my favorite quotes is always with McGonagall when she's like why is it always you three right and then um but like I knew that one you knew that one friends the centaur like he, you know, there was foreshadowing, and was he foreshadowing just this this part of the story, you know, book one, or was uh, he foreshadowing from till the very yeah. yeah, and then um, what was the other one that another thing that I saw the foreshadowing in kind of what was it? Well, I guess I don't. <laughs> Well, I don't. I, well, here's my question. So you remember when Ferenz was like talking to Harry about how pure and innocent, like the and magical the the unicorns are, and to yeah. like hurt and kill one that that's like you've cursed yourself, and to drink their blood, you've cursed yourself. You're like pure evil, essentially. Well, right, but like, so does drinking the blood curse you? And so has Voldemort and um, Quirrell curse, cursed themselves. I guess more Quirrell. More than they already are. Well, I feel like going on the basis of foreshadowing, you don't know really what book six or seven are about yet. I feel like he's probably referencing Quirrell more than Voldemort. Mm. But at the time you don't even know that it's Quarrel. So right. you're like, you just know that whoever's doing this well, right. is is cursed. Yeah. You end up finding out that it's Quarrel and Voldemort. Well, right, but <clears throat> it's just like, but, but it's things like that, that like when you go back and you've read it and you're like, and you, you do know who it is, mm-hmm. that I think sometimes it's those little things that you can pick up and you'd be like, oh, well... 
I mean, obviously, Crow is going to die from other things, too, if it wasn't mm-hmm. maybe from... Side note, I did not know who it was. <gasps> yeah, that's what I'm like... Did girl. you watch movie one? Oh no. He's still very unsure of this, Josie. Have you not heard this? I'm question really excited to watch him? movie one with you now. No. I'm like, did I? Honestly, no, Sheila, you're absolutely right. It's kind of like so Sheila and I rereading the books, knowing what we know, seeing the foreshadowing. I knew it was the guy with the turban. I just didn't know Coral was the one with the turban. Sorry, this is the alcohol that caused me to break into your conversation. You're welcome. (laughs) No, it's okay. I wasn't trying to be profound or anything. I mean, is it trying to be profoundly drunk? I mean, drunk. No, 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 no. It's just like, (laughs) no, it is one of those things with like the foreshadowing. Yeah. Where I always go back and forth since the seventh book came out, watching the movie, doing everything. Like, I love Alan Rickman, so I always want to kind of romanticize the the character of Snape just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. But it it literally goes back to where, like, the whole thing of, like, I did what I did because I always loved Lily, like, oh, all my. this stuff. And it's just, like, I always want to go back and forth and be like, dude, you did this to a child. Like, you right. were a known jerk to a child. Not like, just one child, but multiple, a lot of children. Like, Okay, spoiler alert, Neville's Bogart in book three is fucking Snape. Like, his worst nightmare is Snape. Snape. Like, he ruined people's lives. Like, he was a miserable human being. Right. But when I read the end of this book again, I was like, oh, Snape. I wasn't. Really, just trying to help them. I was. I wasn't. I'm like. I seriously always go back and forth. I always just kind of am like, dude, you were knowingly a jerk to these kids, right? And you literally made their lives miserable just because you knew you could. Mm -hmm. But then there's always just this moment where it's like, but I know people who hold on to anger like that. Yes. Who are good people. But they just can't let go of that shit in their life. I am sitting right here. I'm Stop not talking, talking about, about Andy. Andy, if I was talking about you, I'd be like, Andy, let go of your shit. <laughs> just, just go. Just let it go. No, but it's like, but I do. Like, go, I know, I know people who. Maybe not all aspects of their life, but in like some aspects of their life, I'm like, dude, you just gotta let this shit go at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, it's, so since we're talking about Snape, and I know we're about to, we're gonna watch the movie, and we're gonna talk about it. But Alan Rickman is just like the perfect Snape because like when we were reading this, I was like, I I was like, I could hear him saying all the. Mm. You know, in his in his like nasally tone, like Potter, what are you doing? You know, like no, it's so people go look on our Instagram page. I posted something a couple weeks ago where it literally was like movie Harry Potter, book Harry Potter, movie Ron, book yeah. Ron, movie Hermione, movie Her- like book yeah. Hermione. And then it was, like, movie and book Snape, and both of them were Alan Rickman. Yeah. It was, it's so funny. And no, it's true. He literally is Snape. He, he is. He did a fabulous job. And I'd say um, McGonagall was just, uh, Maggie was oh, perfect yeah, for her spot, too. So, I mean, they did some really great casting. But, like, but he's always, whenever I read, like, I hear his voice. Mm-hmm. saying his the parts in the in the book so I so just, yeah. yeah definitely i do want to give a shout out to um hermione yeah 
<laughs> Sorry, a shout out. I, I, I don't know why I think it's so funny. I'm sorry. Like she's a this, real person. Like I'm going to shout out. I'm shouting out the character, Hermione. Okay. <laughs> if you listen to our very first episode of Tipsy Potheads, you all know I went through my identity <laughs> crisis of becoming Ravenclaw to Gryffindor. Uh-huh. I loved how Hermione set these guys straight for their exams and put them on mm-hmm. schedules and like color coded their like mm. studying and all of this stuff. And at the end of it, Harry even was like, I completely forgot we even took these exams cause I almost died. Right. And he was like, but Hermione helped me through. Cause I, per- I passed I just- because of Hermione. I just love like it's just like one Raise of those your things. glass to Hermione. Cheers, Cheers. Hermione. No, it's just one of those things where it's like it just goes back to the whole thing of like even when they went through all their challenges and tasks for to get into the chambers for the stone mm-hmm. where these three kids Like, when they made the commitment that they were friends, like, it just extended to every possible facet of their lives. Where Hermione was like, I'm not going to let you fail out of school. Right. And it even goes, I like, so the the three of us were talking last night on it. Like, before or after one of the other episodes. And Andy made this comment where he's like, yeah, you know, like, Ginny at the end of the book. And Sheila and I were like, what? Ginny's at the end of the book? And then I actually... And then we both had to admit to Andy that we hadn't actually finished the book yet. And he had. And he even was like, maybe Ginny wasn't in the end of the book. And when I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, she totally is. No, I mean, I know she... But it's like I knew that there was a whole scene at the end of the book at this train station. I just forgot how extended it was. But they even make this line in there where Hermione is like, dude, this is the family you have to go home with. Like she like they literally in the line. I'm going to find it. She they were like Hermione was like disgusted with Uncle Vernon. Um, oh, oh, yeah. She's kinda- like. Hope you have a uh, a good holiday," said Hermione, looking uncertainly after Uncle Vernon. Shocked that anybody could be so unpleasant. Like he's these probably guys, doing his little sneer. Like they literally just committed themselves so fully to each other at a young age, which is hard to do at any age. Well, we all know what happens in the second book. Do no, we, we don't. Andy Ron and, doesn't. Ron and Fred and George, they come save Harry. I'm right here, and I do not know what you're talking about. Spoiler Andy does not remember if he's watched any movies. All of this liquor, I won't remember what you said. No, but it's just, like, one of those things, like, I mean... The three of us have had discussions in other books where we have anxieties... Eric? To, like commit ourselves to other people and like I like Sheila and I told a story in our potheads and training episode that's going to be coming out next month um we like we or I guess this month because it'll be in October anyway like we've (laughs) talked about how we like had these anxieties of like oh my gosh I wanted to come talk to you but I was afraid that this was going to happen and like these three at the age of 11 committed themselves to be like we had this experience with a troll and that will forever bond us and they Uh literally just went with it and rolled with it and they did not turn back and it just shows through every aspect of everything they do all the way through the end of this first book and scene scene (laughs) um can I also just say I love (laughs) No. I forgot how much I loved peas, peeves, and hated peas. I was like, I don't. There's nobody named peas. 
Like, I hate his character in this book, but at the same time, I'm like, I just love this poltergeist. Like, he is such a fool. Such a troublemaker. He was a new character for me. Again, Mm -hmm. I hadn't watched the book movie. I don't know. He's probably one of the most missed characters in Harry Potter fandom in the movies. Because I'm like, Man, they really talked to these ghosts inside of this move inside the book, and I was like, "Oh, just wait till you get to the nearly headless Nick headhunt." There's yeah. like a whole scene, and I think it's the next one. Spoilers. I think you're right. I believe it is the next one. Yeah, no, there's like, I mean, I love how Harry tricks Peeves at the end, saying he's the Bloody Baron. <laughs> The bloody baron wants to be invisible. Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, I love how Peeves just pops up. I love how he just... Like, around all the time. Yeah. Well, there's a part later on, Andy, where um, a teacher has a very good moment with Peeves. And it's... It's just... it's. I don't know. Like, it's like... It's things from like some of those little things that I really wish that they would have put into the movies. Yeah. Peeves is definitely one of the most missed characters, I feel. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel about the whole chapter with like the Forbidden Forest? Well, I guess you guys, I mean like Andy. <laughs> I'm like, I kinda talked about it. I mean I don't be like, I mean I know you kinda okay. talked about it already. You mean with like the centaurs and stuff like that? Well, I mean, just, like, the whole book, like, that whole, the whole book, the whole chapter, like, like, I always kind of forget that, like, they start off in different groups and then end up going into new groups. Um, it seriously makes me laugh every time uh, Malfoy and um, Fang get scared and kind and of run off. Those big babies. Um, I, I will say it was one of those things, like, I don't remember how much was actually in the movie, but the fact that, like, that one younger one was like, I'll help you, and this is what this means, and the other guy was like, we're not supposed to share our wisdom. That was kind of Yeah, because you meet three centaurs in the book. Yeah, you meet friends, Bane, and Ronan. Yeah. And friends... Um, you do get to see more. Yeah. More often, but even, I should say. But honestly, it's always just, like, the arrogance of the centaurs. I'm, oh, like, oh, my gosh, wait till book five. But, like, the <laughs> arrogance of the centaurs is always, like, really, dude. Yeah. Like, friends is just trying to help Harry Potter. Do you not know who he is? Do you know that he's the boy who lives? <laughs> He is the chosen one. Well, and I like right on the back of Friends, like a common horse. I liked how Friends wasn't like a normal centaur. I mean, he says his weird, he says his weird shit, you know. But he's, yeah. But he's very like, I would say like forward thinking and like modern for a centaur. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, you get that of sense. all the centaurs I know, he is the most modern thinking. I mean, you definitely, there's also, I mean, you get the sense that he's, like, one of the younger, like, kind of new age centaurs. Yeah. Well, and, like, he, and maybe he's reading, th- like, he's reading whatever's in the, the stars or the future or whatever that he's reading. Mm-hmm. And he's seeing it a different way than the other guys are. Yeah. He just has a new perspective of it. And he's like, we have to keep this kid alive. That's yeah. Yeah. Save, save the boy. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, Andy said it earlier, like the treasury characters, like in the, I I don't know. Like, I always hate to just be like, the movies to the books, but it's so hard because they're so integrated. Yeah. At this point for Sheila and I, that, like, the Forbidden Forest in the book series really is its own character. 
that I feel like there's a lot missed in the book, like in the movies. Yeah. And so it's like, like the Forbidden Forest has a pretty big part in most of the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is seriously just like such an introductory, like such an introduction of like what's even in the Forbidden Forest. Well, and there's like foreshadowing about that too, because like Malfoy, I think it was Malfoy's like, I was told there's werewolves in the forest, and Hagrid's like, that's the least of your worries. And it's like, yeah. oh, werewolf, what happens in a couple books, you know? Like, because the only werewolf that they they really ever had on the, the grounds was Lupin. That, yeah, obviously. I mean, got- until, like, Greyback came and, like, came in with the Death Eaters, but spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, I also, um... I'd also like to take a moment to say that this drink that we're eating, the unicorn blood... With St. Germain's and tequila. It's not only delicious, but fucking my shit up. <laughs> and you're welcome. Hot head, Serene. Is it? Josie and Andy are very happy tonight. Yeah. Where I um, needed to be. Oh, yeah. So, I, I kind of touched on this before, but when Harry's talking to Dumbledore, I really like how even at the age of 11 Harry is sort of just so wise about like Dumbledore and Voldemort like that whole situation like I really do love and respect the conversation that Dumbledore and Harry had after the whole situation and I absolutely love Dumbledore's line where he was like of course, what happened in the chamber is only between you and Quirrell, but of course the whole... Everybody knows, yeah. And even, like, later, after Harry talks to Voldemort, um, not Voldemort, <laughs> after he talks to Dumbledore about <laughs> Voldemort... I was gonna, Claire, I was gonna say Voldemort or Dumbledore, yeah, but she um, After he talks to them about Voldemort, like, Harry and Ron come in, and they kind of tell, like, Every- Hermione, Hermione, and Ron come in. What did I just say? Harry. Harry. Oh, <laughs> this unicorn blood has got me, kids. It's got me too. Remember, kids, drink and talk responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Harry, uh, Ron, and Hermione talking about like the experiences that they all have and like the rumors that are going around and everything. It's just so funny because it's like there's a lot of wisdom between the three of these children. And I think that that's just it's one of the things that I feel like is just so missed in the movies. Yeah. As much as I can separate them and enjoy the movies and like like more than enjoy the books, it's it's still just like, man, they just have so much wisdom. There's so much more depth to all three of their characters. There really is. Yeah, I just love it. Um, mm-hmm. I so I know people well, always get upset with, like, how Dumbledore, like, put Harry in these situations. And, I, I like, something that came to my mind when I was finishing this, this book up this week was I was like, well, did Dumbledore have some sort of, like, knowledge? Not knowledge. Like, did he kind of have this inkling that, like, he had to, like, set this child up for all these things? And I know everybody gets pissed off that he, you know, he did all these things to this 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old. But if he didn't do all those things, Harry Potter wouldn't be Harry Potter who could defeat Voldemort at the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, it helps, but I don't know. Like, people always get mad at Dumbledore for putting Harry in those situations. Why didn't he tell why didn't he tell Harry right away that who you know what happened to his parents and you know what I mean and But yes, absolutely. But even when Harry's asking all those questions, Harry's like, I have okay. a lot of questions and Dumbledore tells him like I may not I, be able to tell you. 
I will tell you, I won't tell you everything tonight, but I will tell you. Yeah. And there's even the moment where it kind of foreshadows Order of the Phoenix where he was yeah. like, why is it me? Why was I picked? And he was like, you just can't understand it right now. And really, if you think about it and you look back on it and you're like, would 11, would 11 year old Harry even as wise as he is in the books compared to the movies, mm-hmm. would 11-year-old Harry have been able to understand the prophecy? No, I don't think so. I mean... There's no way. Well, there's that. And it's just, like, handling all of that. Like, he had a hard time with just what happened with Cedric. Right. I think... Yeah, absolutely. I and think then there's just, also, like... I And... Sheila, maybe you can speak more on this since I don't have children. I only have a cat. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that there's like. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, I just have a cat. I only have a cat. Andy has no one. I only have a cat. And you have a child and cats and a dog. And, and a husband. And, and a husband. She forgot him. Oh my gosh. Why are you trying to throw in our face for single? Anyway. <laughs> Josie, sorry, she forgot you. We get it. You have people that love you unconditionally. Okay, we get it. You have everything and we have nothing and I only have a cat. I'm saving your butt because he would listen to it and he'd be like, she forgot me. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I also think it's like, I think it's always this fine line of like, adults don't fully understand what a children will what a children, what children or a child will understand. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. I like I look back, like rereading this and like finishing this book. I look back on it on the aspect of like, if you were an adult having this conversation with a child, or you were really experiencing this, like knowing what you know at hand, like. There is always a big controversy of like, yeah, Dumbledore should have told him more. But then at the same time, you're like, this eleven-year-old child. I mean, this kid came from an abused family. Like he was abused mentally. Yeah. He was malnourished. I mean, this this child did not come from a good home, and so right. he's finally in a place like where he's. He's probably gained 20 pounds. He literally, the he saw Mrs. Weasley for the first time after a year. Right. And his first words to her were, thank you for the sweater and the fudge that you sent me. Like yeah. six months before this whole thing happened. Right. Like at Christmas. And like so, this is a kid who does not know affection. He does not know he, these things. He doesn't. He's literally entering a world he has no exposure to. And so I think Dumbledore wanted to give him a a little bit of a childhood. I mean, obviously it's hard because you have crazy Voldemort chasing after you because that's what Voldemort does. But at the same time, he gives him the stuff to handle that. He does. He gives him the invisibility cloak without him knowing it's him. He explains to him how the mirror works. Mm Mm-hmm. He allows him to explore certain things. So, yes, he doesn't really explain anything. He doesn't sit him down and do anything. But he does guide him quietly and kind of, like, unknowingly. And But sometimes as a, situation. as a parent and as a, a mentor or whatever you are to a child, you sometimes have to do that. Like, and, like, so we just... It's it's September thirteenth right now actually. So Friday the thirteenth. That's not what I was. That's not what I was gonna talk about. Sorry. Um, but September eleventh was just a couple days ago, and I will be honest. I really have not talked about nine eleven with my child. There's one reason why. I want him to stay a little innocent, and a little bit more. Um. I don't want him to have like this thought of how horrible the world is and can be at times and which is fine. And just a minute, let me finish talking, put your hand down, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I, you can talk in a second. Go ahead. Um, but it's not that I, I was never going to talk to him about it. 
it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, two years old is, you know, one, they don't understand. Two, they still don't understand. Three, mm, probably not. That's too scary. Four is still a little too scary. Five, maybe. Six, eh. and this year he came home and he starts talking to me about it. They had been talking about it at school. They had read a book about the Twin Towers, but this book was written for them. Like, he doesn't know all the horrors. He's like, some planes ran into the Twin Towers. I was like, you're right. Some bad guys got some planes and ran a couple planes into the towers. And he's like, did all the people die? And so, like, then I started having these conversations that, I wasn't quite ready to do like I knew they were gonna happen but I was like yeah some people died all the people on the plane died but some people in the buildings live some people didn't like it was a very it was a very hard time for us we lost a lot of people I'm like but there's still good people out there but we have to be careful about other people too so I I mean it's just it's hard it's it's hard going down that line of like letting your kids be a kid and then also like preparing them for this crappy world sometimes. Right. And then like the other side of that, which when Sheila was like, put your hand down, I was like raising my hand enthusiastically. <laughs> she, she was being Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> I need points for Gryffindor. Anyway, but then like it's, but it's really funny. Cause then like the flip side of that is I literally, I was listening to this podcast that was talking about like the psychology behind 9-11 and stuff that had happened and how they went in and talked to children who were old enough to process what was happening, but not to the extent of what it actually happened at. And they were talking about how they were going in and like talking to these children, like, psychologists or whatever were like going in and talking to these children teachers and stuff and it was like the children understood that something bad had happened they understood that these planes crashed into these buildings and it was like major and it was on every television network and it played over and over and over again right but it was really interesting because what they actually thought was they were in any other city in the world. They'd never lived in New York City, had never even been there. And in their head, they were like, no, I saw it on the news that happened in my city. And so it's also like the flip side of it, where it's like, where you see it with, like, to kind of relate it back to Harry Potter. It's right. like, like, children who saw this on the news at the time when it was happening, They knew what had happened. They knew planes crashed in. They knew these buildings fell. They knew all these people had died. They thought it happened in their own city. They did not, they could not disconnect that it happened in New York and where they lived. Right. And it's like, even with the three, it's like they had so much more of an understanding of what was happening in the situation. They were able to connect all the pieces of like, The dinosaur egg and Fluffy and Nicholas Flamel and like all these different yeah. pieces. And it's like they didn't have all the pieces to together. They only right. had it at their their point of view. But But all the point all the pieces knew, pointed to that but person. All now. the pieces pointed to get them to this point. And it's just kind of the same thing where it's like all the pieces pointed to this point. Yeah. And so I think, like, as an adult, you kind of, I think, like, what it made me realize is, like, as adults, we kind of just, like, almost discredit children for having the knowledge that they actually have. They have so because, much Because you want to maintain their innocence, because you want to maintain certain aspects of their life. Because you don't want them to do one thing over another or make them grow up faster. I mean, like, I feel like Sheila kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like Harry, for the first time in his life, was flourishing. 
he wasn't malnourished. He wasn't being mentally abused. He wasn't being told he was a disgrace or this person was better. His his parents were horrible. Well, I he mean, was, Dudley beat him up. I mean, Dudley yeah, was kind of like, an abuser. He wasn't, getting, and... he wasn't bullied. He wasn't all these things. And he really was in a setting where he could flourish. And I really feel like part of, like, Dumbledore's intentions were kind of like that psychological like point of view where it's yeah. like I want him to enjoy what he has right now. I don't want to make him grow up beyond this. Like if you well, were and I tell, think if you were to tell an eleven year old what you learn in book five or six or seven, you'd be like, dude, like why would you lay all of that on an eleven year old child? Right. And so even, like, I think Dumbledore, I honestly truly feel like Dumbledore knew Ron, Hermione, and Harry were a lot more clever than their average student. Yeah. Which is why he led them to certain aspects and led them to certain things. Because I think he kind of had that intuition as a mentor, as a teacher, as an adult, as, like, a guiding source but I feel like at the same time, he was like, let me let these guys have their moment. Like, let me let them be children. I don't want to lay it all on them. Well, let me give them this chance. There's that. And then, like, I I think, you know, he knew deep down that things were going to start to get worse again. You know? And, I mean, obviously, he really did at the end of this book because um, Voldemort... You know, he, he, he's come back. We know he is for sure back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he knows that this kind of youthful happiness for Harry isn't going to last much longer. Yeah. And I th- so I think it's okay to, like, let him just be a happy kid. Right. I think he wants to give him that. Like, yeah. this is the first time he's really getting to enjoy life. He has friends. He has, like, a good thing going for him. He He's good at Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah. I also just love the interaction that Mrs. Weasley had with Uncle Vernon at the very end. Yeah. Where she was like, oh, you must be... <laughs> Harry Potter's fan, like, where they have that whole interaction. I just love how, like, from the very beginning, she just, like, gravitates to them. Yeah. Oh. Well. I, guys, I just love the first book so much. It looks so good. (laughs) Andy does not look that enthusiastic when he says that. And it he's was about so to good. pass out, I think. <laughs> this tequila, this unicorn blood has got him, like, uh... It's got him. That that last one was a little too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I, like, this just makes me super excited. I'm so excited for the next book. It'll be fun. So, we're gonna... I just, yeah, I just feel like this reinvigorates my love for this whole series. Like, this yeah. first book, like... Oh, I just love it. I love yeah. it. So we're going to um, read, not read. We're going to watch the movie. That'll be our next uh, Tipsy Pot Cuts. Yeah. We're going to all watch book one. Book one. We're going to watch movie <laughs> one. And we're going to discuss it. And yeah. we'll actually, Andy will actually officially be able to watch it and know if he's actually seen it before and compare <laughs> Yay. We'll see. And then um then we'll start book two, but we'll talk about book two at the end of the movie episode, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to read along with us, we are going to be reading, if you give me just one moment, we are going to be reading chapters one through five for book two. After we do our movie comparison episode. Yeah. So, one through five. Book two. If you need time to read. Uh, so, <laughs> that that's what we're doing next. 
and then um, Josie, do you want to give our all our info for our fans? Yeah. Um, you can go to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Potheads Who Read a Podcast. Um, you can find us on both of those platforms. We are also available on Gmail at Potheads Who Read at gmail.com. That's P O T T H E A D R E A D S W H O R E. Wait, yeah. I don't know. We're at Potheads Who Read. It's just two T's. That's really the important thing you need. Guys, I'm really into this unicorn blood. Email us at Gmail. Go like us on Facebook and Instagram. We have a lot of fun stuff coming out. We're about to compare movie one with book one. And we got lots more exciting stuff coming. So it's going to be great. So many fun It's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. Also, um, if you didn't listen to it at the top of the episode, go rate, subscribe, and review us. Guys, this really helps us. The more subscriptions and ratings we get, the more we can be found when people, like, type in Potter or, like, anything Harry Potter related will pop up. So that's a huge help to us. Yeah. And thanks for reading with us. Go crack a book open. I guess I better start reading. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.